Numbers chapter number 13. We'll begin reading with verse 25. Numbers chapter number 13, beginning with verse number 25. I'm going to say it's good to have all of you that are here this morning. Appreciate you for choosing to worship with us. Bible way here this morning in the house of the Lord. Good to have David with us this morning. Amen. And good to uh, uh, see Brother and Sister Mink's got family. I believe, is it Nebraska that, that they're from? You've got Nebraska family who are kind of extended family to us. And uh, we, we thank you for being with us this morning. You're visiting. We're glad to have you. Good to see uh, Brother Morgan, Sister Rose, Mary Troy back in service Amen. with us this morning. Amen. Numbers, chapter number 13, beginning with verse number 25. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. They went and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit and showed them the fruit of the land and they told him and said we came unto the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey that land's everything you said it was going to be and then they said and this is the fruit thereof they had went to the a brook that they called the brook Eshkel. The Bible said that they had cut down a cluster of grapes that was so big that they had to tie it uh -huh. to a stick, one man on one end, the other on the other, right. and they tied the cluster and had to walk it out hmm. in between them. This is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, I wish they had left that verse out. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome. But the men that went up with them or with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. There we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came or which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. I want to preach and uh, share from my heart with you this morning. Just titled the message simply, "What's Stopping You." What's stopping you? I see in this text what stopped a great number of the children of Israel, but I want to ask, point the text to us this morning, what's stopping you? Amen. Father, we 
Thank you for your word this morning. We ask you again, you'll come. You'll quicken us by the Holy Ghost, Lord, to be able to share and to preach what you've laid upon our heart for this service this morning. And I ask you right here and right now that you'll move, you'll touch, that you'll help those, oh God, that are being stopped, that are being hindered, that are being pushed out or pushed back from your blessing and from your promise and from your fullness. And I pray this morning, oh God, that we'd remove all those things that would hinder us from being all you would have us to be, from possessing all that you would have us to possess, from doing all that you would have us to do. We'd be not faithless, but we would be believing, and that we would be obedient. Therefore, we could reap the blessing and we could reap the promise of your word. Grant it, we pray. Meet us and touch us around this altar. Let somebody leave with your fullness, with your promise, and with your bounty this morning. We ask it in Christ's lovely and holy name. If you love him, would you say amen? amen. Have you ever noticed that the only two names that we remember out of the 12 spies that were sent in to view the land? Joshua. Son of Nun. Caleb, son of Jephunneh. You want to know why we remember them too? It's because they believe God. And the Bible don't have anything to say about people that don't believe God. Their names are just forgotten. It listed all of their names as they were all sent into the promised land. It listed their names what tribe they were from and whose son they were and their names were never heard of again. I believe our names are written in the book of life that it's not only a book that means we possess eternal life but it's a book of remembrance. When I stand before God, he's gonna know who I am. He's gonna remember my name. Why? Because he believed me. Right. He believed my word. And I won't ever forget him. Right. Amen. Listen, they began to what the Bible says to give an evil report of the land. Started out good. Look at this cluster of grapes. Look at these pomegranates. The land is surely a land that flows with Milk and honey. It is everything that God said it would be. We've never seen a land like this. Uh, but time out, it's not a land that we could ever live in. Because giants live there. Canaanites and Amorites and Jebusites. They dwell in the, in the mountains and on the coast. And also the sons of Anak are there that came from giants, men of renown that have built great walled and fenced cities. And it's just a land that uh, eats people up. It's a dangerous land to be in. I believe they told the story like they were glad to get out of there. We barely made it out of there. We were looking over our shoulder thinking that one of those giants were going to squash us at any moment. We're just going to have to learn to settle for less. 
We can never have that. Well, that's what the devil wants to convince you of today. He's a liar that says everything that God wants you to have, wants you to do, wants you to be, you're just going to have to learn to settle for less. Brother Larry, he might be able to inherit some of that, possess some of that, but he's been preaching a long time. Brother Eddie, he might be able to possess uh, some of that. He's been preaching and passing a long time, but not you. Your faith will never be great enough. That's a lie. Do you know that before I was a preacher, I was a Christian? Amen. Just a Christian man. And do you know that as a preacher, I'm still just and only a Christian man? Do you know that the second I stop believing God, then all the preaching in the world won't do me any good? And what a Christian is, the Bible says, is a believer. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What is a Christian? He's a person that believes God. What do Christians do? Well, they go to church. They read the Bible. They pray and, you know, lay around an altar and they go to prayer meeting and they, somebody might say, begin to tell you things that Christians uh, most likely would do and things that Christians most likely wouldn't do. But if you boil it all down to the root of it, uh, who are Christians and what do Christians do? Christians are believers uh, and Christians believe God. But for many of these children of Israel, the Bible said these things were written about them for our admonition, for our example, to warn us, to show us how that we should believe God and that we could enter in. Just like Caleb, just like Joshua, you and I can possess God's fullness. But for many, the Bible said they could not enter in. And they were stopped. They were hindered. At one point, God would not let them go in. And God said, everybody in this generation that's older than 20 years old, you're going to die in the wilderness, and I'm not going to let you go in. But you'll raise up children that will. I'll raise up children that are so sick and tired of settling for less than what I want them to have, uh, they'll be glad to go in. I'll raise up children that are so sick and tired of hearing about how good and how great and how wonderful and how mighty and how powerful God is, but never getting to see it and possess it and to have it. Uh, how they'll, they'll, they'll do anything to enter in. I don't want to just hear about how great God is. Uh, I want to know how great God is for myself. Uh, I want to, these signs shall follow them that believe. You've got to believe that God is a God of miracles. And once you do, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll get better. You'll start praying for sons and daughters uh, that'll get born again. 
you'll start seeing believers get baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. Once you believe that he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. But what's stopping you from, from seeing or having or possessing everything that God has promised? Because it's obvious everybody is not walking or living or possessing God's fullness. That's obvious. What's stopping you this morning? Now for them, all I can do is tell you what stopped them and maybe it will apply to you. So when we look at them, what stopped them from entering into God's fullness, God's promise that was in that land, number one, they measured the enemy's strength against their own weakness. They measured the enemy's strength against their own weakness. They magnified their enemies in the sight of the people. We cannot possess the land because these men are giants and we are little peon grasshopper people. These men are men of renown and we're just former slaves of the Egyptians. These people have giant fenced walled cities and there's no way people like us could ever penetrate walls like that. They measured their enemy's strength against their own weaknesses. If all you ever see yourself as is as a little peon or nobody, then you're not ever going to possess God's fullness. I'll tell you who I am. I'm a Christian. I'm not some great preacher. I'm a Christian that believes in a great God. I believe the Bible is God's promised book. I believe it's God's word to God's people. And if you will believe this book right here, God can do anything you ask him to do. Hallelujah. Somebody said the days of miracles are gone. They are for you because you don't believe in them. But the moment you believe God can do anything, he would do anything. I, I was I was saved kind of under the influence or the witness of Brother Roy Drum upon our family. He witnessed and won us to the Lord, 90 years old, retired minister. You've heard this story before, but it bears, uh, you know, necessity that I repeat it. He said he and his wife were, he had been saved and God had filled him with the Holy Ghost, called him to preach, and he said he was he lived in Louisiana, that's where he was from, so I preached a few meetings there. He said, then I had a, a meeting way out in West Texas. And he said, the meeting that we had preached in Louisiana gave us a couple of dollars for the offer. And he said, I just did not have enough money or enough gas to go all the way to West Texas. And we weren't going to make it. He said, but honey, God knew what the offering was going to be right. when he booked the next meet. 
And he knew I wasn't going to have enough gas or enough money to get there, but yet he booked the meeting and wants me to be there, so we have to go. And so without asking the pastor who gave him the couple of dollars, could you spare a few more, they just left out, going to the next meeting, believing God. He said, sure enough, on one of those lonely stretches of desert, the highway in West Texas, nothing, hadn't passed a car in hours driving on that lonely road, that car began to spit and sputter. It began to make some strange noises and said, Sister uh, Drum reached over and grabbed my hand that was on the wheel and she said, oh no. We're running out of gas. And they sputtered to a stop on the side of that old sandy desert highway. She began to weep. She said, we haven't even passed a car or a truck in the last two or three hours. I, I don't see a light on the horizon. Nowhere. There's not a store, a house, or nowhere out here in this desert to help us. We are in trouble. What are we going to do? He said, I looked at her with tears in my eyes. I didn't know what we were going to do other than we were going to believe in the God who had saved us and called us. And he said, honey, all I know to do is we're going to take this. He used to carry a little uh, bottle of anointing oil with him. He said, we're going to get out of this car. We're going to take this bottle of anointing oil. He said, I'm going to anoint the gas cap. I'm going to anoint the gas cap on the car and we're going to lay hands over the tank and we're going to ask God, the same God that fed 5,000 with a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. We're going to ask that same God with the little bit of gas we got left, just a few drops left in the tank, we're going to ask our God to multiply it and get us out to West Texas. He said they got out. He said I anointed that gas cap. Me and mama laid our hands over the gas cap and we prayed the prayer of faith. And we quoted promises in the Bible. And we reminded God of what the book said and told the Lord we believed him to be able to do it. He said we said amen. I walked mama to her side of the car and put her in. I come back to my side and got in. He said, I looked over at her and she looked back over at me. We took a deep breath. I put my hand on the ignition and turned the key. The car cranked up and he said, I watched that needle go from E all the way over to full. He said, we drove on out to West Texas shouting and praising and magnifying God all the way. He said, nobody needed to prime our pump. Nobody needed to, to, to you know, try to pump us up to make us believe God that we were going to have revival when we pulled up in the parking lot of that church. We knew that God was going to give us a great revival because he had just worked for us. The miraculous. He said, I told that story everywhere I went. I told that story. He said, there was always somebody in the crowd. 
that would look at me over the top of their glass. He said, I'd always say, you look at me like you don't believe it. He said, that's why you'll never see it. You look at me like you believe God can't do it. That's why he'll never do it for you. They measured their enemy's strength by their own weaknesses. And when I'm weak, then am I made strong. That the excellency of the power might be in God and not of me. God loves to take our weaknesses and show himself to be strong. When God called Moses, a man that was to stand in front of Pharaoh and said, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. That's not as lengthy or as uh, you know, poetic as the Gettysburg Address. Uh, God said, I don't need you to be able to write a fancy speech. I don't need you to be able to talk like a Philadelphia lawyer. I just need you to say what I tell you to say. And God called a man that said, I can't talk. I'm slow of speech. And God said, from this day forward, you'll be my voice. I'll talk through you. I was talking to a young man yesterday, his daddy pastors, and he said, my grandparents used to tell us a story how when my dad was a little boy, he had a horrible speech impediment. He couldn't hardly make it through school because he just couldn't talk. The teachers couldn't hardly understand what he was saying. They want to put him through speech therapy classes. He said that classes in those days cost money and my grandparents said they didn't have it. Said one principal told him, said, look, we're gonna try our best to get him through as many grades as we can get him through and help him with whatever education we can help him with. Uh, maybe he can be good in his, you know, in his grammar, in, in writing. Maybe he can be good in, in arithmetic and in math. Maybe he can be good in social or cognitive skills, what we would call common sense. Uh, he can find a craft, a trade, uh, and he can make it in life. But you need to, you need to tell your son to, to, he needs to plan on whatever he wants to be and do in life uh, that it not requires speaking or talking uh, because that boy Something's messed up in there. He's not, he don't have the ability to communicate. It, it may be up here, but it won't come out of here. He can't talk. He's just too messed up to talk. And he said at 15 years old, God saved him. Hallelujah. At 15 years old, God saved him. He'd spend his days weeping and crying in an altar and he walked in the, into his mom and dad's living room one day and, and communicated to him the best he could that God was calling to preach. They said, son, but you can't talk. He'd go back to that prayer room and he'd say to God, how can I preach if I can't talk? He said one of those prayer meetings, he came out of there and told his pastor, God's touched my lips. You couldn't tell it uh, before, but when the pastor said, all right then, if you feel like, if you insist, uh, God
God's called you to preach. Said he got behind the pulpit at 15 years old and without a speech impediment, without a tied up tongue or without any inabilities, he preached his first message and the Spirit of God fell in that house. He said my pastor had to line, or his pastor had to line up men in the church that would drive the 15 year old to his revivals because he started booking up preaching revivals everywhere and he wasn't even old enough to drive. I told him, he was telling me that story, I said that sounds just like the God that I serve that loves to take what men would call a weakness or a handicap and make it his strength. If the only reason you're not doing what God told you to do is because somebody told you you can't do it, then you're selling God way too short. Revelation 12 and 11 said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. I like to hear people testify of what God has done for them in them and through them because it builds my faith that what God did for them, he can do it for me. The psalmist said, oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together, Psalm 34 and 3. Mary, after the Lord had overshadowed her by the Holy Ghost and she had conceived the Christ, a virgin, was now with child. A girl that had never been with a man was now with child. And do you know what her first response was in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46? And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Woo! My soul doth magnify the Lord. Do you know what those men come back with a cluster of grapes and a basket full of pomegranates and saying the land is a land that flows with milk and honey. We've never seen fruit. We've never seen bounty like this land possesses. But they come back with an evil report and begin to magnify the enemy. It's a land that eats up the inhabitants. It's a land full of giants and walled and fenced cities. We're like grasshoppers. There's no way we can do it. Up steps Caleb. Up steps Caleb and he stilled the people. And he said, up, let us take the land at once. For we are well able to take it and to possess it and to have it. He believed God. He believed God. He and Joshua are the only two names you remember out of that list because they believed God. Secondly, I got to hurry. There's a lot more I could preach on that first point. On they magnified their enemy's strength against their weakness. You can't do that. I'm not measuring God's promise on my inabilities. I'm not measuring God's faithfulness according to my weaknesses. There's a lot of things I could tell you I can't. I can't. I can't. And I could tell you that my dad always said can't never could and won't never would. 
But I ain't going to tell you that. Because that ain't Bible. But I'll tell you what the apostle said. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I don't read in this Bible where the Lord taught me to say I can't do it. I can't, but God can. I may not be smart enough to figure it out, but God is. Hallelujah to God. Second, they could not enter in. The Bible tells us why. Somebody said they couldn't enter in because they were not big enough. They were not smart enough. They were not rich enough. They were too young. They were too old. List all the reasons why they could not, but the Bible clearly clearly tells us why they could not enter in. Matthew 13 and 58, it says, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Matthew 17 and 20, and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Mark 6 and verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. Mark 16 and 14, afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And then in Hebrews 3 and 19, so we see that they could not enter in because of their unbelief. That's just real simple. The Lord said they couldn't enter in and possess the land because they would not believe that I was able to give it to them. We say those spies brought back a negative report. But the Bible doesn't say it was a negative report. The Bible said they brought back an evil report. An evil report. And do you know why the Bible said that it's not just a negative report, but it's an evil report. And I'll tell you why God called it evil. You know, somebody said, that woman there, she's evil. I see her work in the street corner. That's an evil thing she's doing. Propagating sin and lust and perversion, that's evil. Somebody says, that man there, he got caught doing this, this, or this. He's evil. He's wicked. He's perverted because he's got this kind of sin that he committed. He's evil. But you want to know why the Bible called their report evil? It's because they heard what God said. And then they said back to God, we think you're a liar. Come on. We think you told us something that's not true. We think you said unto us uh, 
that you would do this and you would give this and you would provide this and it's you're not able to bring that to pass in our life. It can't be had. It can't be done. It cannot be attained. God said, how dare you call me a liar? How dare you say that I can't or that I won't? Oh, God. God's never lied. God's never failed. Whoa, not one time. Not to anybody has he ever lied. And not on one occasion did he ever fall short or come up short or prove himself not mighty enough, not powerful enough. We live in an hour where somebody's got to get up behind the pulpit and say, I got a word from the Lord. I got me a rhema word from God. I've had me a dream. I've seen me a vision. An angel told me. Come on, preach. Well, what about I read it in the book? I'm about to have me a spell. What about I believe it because the Bible says it. An angel come and told me that God was going to heal. I'm glad an angel come and told you that God was going to heal. But uh, Peter and James and John and the Apostle Paul and the prophets of old have been trying to tell you that God could heal for a long time. Why do we have to have a special revelation? I can tell you why. Because of the hardness of our heart. Because people simply don't believe God. You won't believe God, then you'll be held out. You won't believe God, then you'll come up short. You'll be stopped short of being all that you can be. Doing all that you can do. Seeing all that God wants you to have or possess. I ain't ever going to talk about it much. I love my wife. She's precious to me. I don't want to put her. I use, always use myself as an example. My shortcomings, my faults, my failures. I always use me. I try not to point out nobody in the congregation. I use me. If I come up short, if I fail, if I've got weakness, if I doubt, I use me. I want to tell you, it was a little more than a year then a year ago, I was, I was right here and the men of our church called a, a men's meeting, the men of our church. And I just explained to them and told them what a stranglehold the devil had on me and my family. And I told them, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if it's going to get better or worse. And if this is a, an embarrassment to you, then I, I offer my resignation. And I said, but if you'll let me, I want to believe God to bring us through this impossibility and to turn this hopeless, seemingly hopeless situation around 
and to bring us through it with glory, with honor, and with power. And those men gathered around me, and basically and essentially they were saying to me, we believe God with you. We believe God with you. I'm standing here this morning preaching to you only because somebody else said we believe God. We believe God. If nobody else would have believed him with me, I'd be somewhere else. I'd probably be sitting listening to Tim Colley preach this morning, saying amen to him while he was preaching out of the ministry, but because somebody, a Joshua or a Caleb said, Pastor, we believe God. We believe he's able. We believe he will. We believe he can. Why? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. He said, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Don't tell me what God can't do. I'll admit to you, there's a lot of things I can't do. I've never ran across anything that God can't do. Amen. Morgan was telling me, a family they know, man's wife, been battling cancer, Thought it was in remission that's come back and seemingly spread. And the husband said, we got to go through all these treatments again. we got to do this again. He started crying. He said, you know, there's sometimes I, I feel guilty. I feel, I believe they call it survival's, survivor's guilt or survivor's remorse. And I, I don't know why he healed me, Lord. I said, I can tell you why he healed you. So you can tell somebody else, my God can do it. We sing that uh, that old song. I know my God can do it. With Him, there's nothing to it. I know He'll see you through it. Sweet victory, even when storms are raging. He is the rock of ages. I know my God is able. Mighty is he. I know my God can do it. To him there's nothing to it. I know he'll see you through it. Sweet victory. You know what? I can talk to other preachers now. When all the hell wars against your ministry... When all the hell wars against your life, when the devil tells you your ministry's over, I know my God can do it. To him there's nothing to it. I know he'll see you through it. Sweet victory. Your testimony is meant to lift somebody up. God needs a Joshua. God needs a Caleb to say, you can do it. You can do it. You're able to possess what God wants you to have.
There's ten in every crowd that says you can't do it. But there's a man of God somewhere that God's worked in his. There's a woman of God somewhere that God's worked in her that will rise up and say, yes, you can. Our God is able. Stand with me. I need to quit. I got more preaching, but I feel led of the Holy Ghost to just stop right here. Shout out to Hosea. Hallelujah. I never told him. I never even told Sister Rosemary because I knew she was. She can Google search as good as I can. The Kim would tell me I'd get reports on what the doctors would say or what the doctors said it was, and I'd go home and I'd Google it up. I'd look look it up. I research large B cell double hip lymphoma. You know, they said he had large B cell lymphoma, and I said, well, he'd probably beat that, you know. They got treatments. I've heard of people overcoming lymphoma, and then they come back and say, double hit. I was like, that's got to be twice as bad as the regular. Come on. And I looked up, and there was a triple hit, too. And it was even worse. When I was just reading all the statistics, 14% chance of recovery. Large B cell double hit lymphoma, 14% chance. And I said to the Lord, Lord, you didn't just save that man to let him die. With large B cell double hit lymphoma, and God, if he didn't have a 1% chance, I believe you. I believe you. I want to tell you. If the only hope you had was in God this morning, he's enough. I feel that right down in the depths of my soul. If your only hope, if your only shot, if your only chance is God this morning, then he's enough. If I were you, I'd take my Bible. And if I didn't have a Bible, I'd be asking your pastor, Pastor, can you help me get a Bible? And he would be telling you, of course I can. I'd take my Bible and I'd put it over my heart. I believe you. I believe you this morning above every evil report in the world. I believe you. Every report that says that God cannot or God will not or God won't be able is an evil report. If God said it in his word, every promise is in him, yes, and also in him, amen. It's forever settled. There ain't nothing the devil can say or do about it. God's already settled it. He's a God that can do anything. What's stopping you this morning? What's stopping you from seeing your family say, 
What's stopping you from getting your miracle today? What's stopping you from being and possessing all that God has for your life? The fullness of God. The power of the Holy Ghost. The ministry that God's ordained for your life. What's stopping you? Nothing but unbelief. You need to come and meet God in this altar this morning. You need to say, Lord, I believe. I believe. I will enter in. I will have it. I will see it. I will possess it. You're a God who can and will do it. Amen. Let's meet him around this altar this morning. Come on, many as will. Let's pray. Yes, Lord.